In this room right now, we're different. I'm going to tell you that the differences are so vast. The things that we do for fun, the things that we do to relax, the the things that we like to listen to is for music. And we're different. I'm telling you, we're different. But I want to really zone in on something and tell you where we're all the same. And I'm going to tell you we're all the same, not just because I interviewed people, but because we're all the same that God created us this way. We were created by God to long to be accepted. I want to belong somewhere. I want to be accepted by others. And there's this yearning in our heart that's hard to explain of why I want somebody to like me so bad. And you say, well, that's not me. You'd probably be surprised if you were real with yourself of how you that is. Of, of how we grew up that way, of that struggle of wanting to be accepted. When I was a teenager in high school, how many of you guys remember those awkward years? You know what I'm talking about? Wanting brand names and going to my mom and saying, hey, all the cool kids wear, you know, Nike, and all the cool kids wear Levi's, and I don't know what the brand is now that all the cool kids wear, okay? But my mom was like, okay, when we go to Walmart, we'll look for them. I'm like... All right, this is going to be rough. Walmart doesn't sell the cool stuff, Mom. And she says, well, that's where we shop because that's what we can afford. Okay. And I, but, you know, in me, I was like, Mom, it's not about that. It's when I get to school, I want to be cool. And, and, I mean, you look at me and you think that this was enough just to be cool. And it was, but it doesn't hurt. You know, it doesn't hurt to have the extra kicks to go along with it. And, the, you know, the, the jeans with the cool you know, when I was a teen, it was like, you were cool if you had the Tommy Hilfiger. Anyway, I'm, I'm dating myself now. I'm, I'm going to prove to you. I was cool in school. I was. I had it going on. And I have a yearbook picture from seventh grade to show you guys. That's right. I wore that for picture day. And I got labeled as Belky. That was my nickname and if you've ever seen Perfect Strangers, after that, I was nicknamed Belky from that picture. And you say, you look like a dork. Let me tell you, you don't know dork until you see this next picture. That's Pastor Dave. That's dork on steroids right there. And I, I, he didn't try to be cool because there was no... I thought, aren't you in junior church or something during this time? Oh my goodness. You haven't changed much, Pastor Dave, except your, your hair slid off your face and or off your head and around your face. That's the only difference. So my mom came to us and she said, uh, all right, you guys want the fancy jeans. And I mean, this was the real struggle. My mom was like, I have a hard time just putting you in any jeans. And I, you, you, got, you might not understand this, but to be cool, and I'm not even wearing the cool jeans, and to wear the cool jeans would be accepted, and the teen, uh, tennis shoes and all that other stuff. My mom used to iron on patches on our jeans, okay? Yeah. Have any of you guys ever seen it? You go to Walmart, you get that, and I'm like, Mom, I can't go in public with ironed on patches on my jeans. It's just, you know what's funny now? My clothes would have been so stinking in style today. You go through the stores and you're like, that's unnecessary, Richard. 
Now, now they pay to have ripped up jeans. And and I'm I'm not just talking about ripped up jeans. Like the more rips in them, the higher the price gets for the jeans. My mom would be like buying $25 in patches to fix those things up. Back then, we had a hole in it. You're considered poor. You have holes in it today. You're considered cool. I I don't get it. So I'm just saying, hold on to whatever you got. It will come back in a season. I promise you the, the fads will pass and something else will come in. You guys think that I'm just... Joking, but I tell you, it was something when I finally got a pair of Nikes. Somebody came up to me and said, hey, dude, you look cool. I say, that's shallow. I'll tell you, it meant something to me. I strutting down that, you know, hair waving back and all, the, all that. And I felt like I had arrived. And I'm going to tell you guys that this desire to fit in is embedded to the core of us. By the car that we drive, where we live, whether your hairstyle is in or out, identity makes the world go round right now. It absolutely does. Fashion designers will get on TV of Entertainment Tonight and everything saying, guess who's wearing who today? And they'll have the red carpet. People will walk down the red carpet. They'll, they'll critique them of what they're doing. And then the next show will be them talking about how you can look like them. Or kids will watch the Disney Channel and the next thing you walk into the store and they've got the brand of that Disney star where you wear their, her jeans and her shirt and her look. And you, you say, why is that? And I mean, maybe we've just accepted these things and I'm not dissing that you wear a name brand or anything like that. I'm saying that we strive internally to be identified with somebody that is Michael Jordan that has shoes or I want to be identified with somebody, uh, a Kardashian, because why, I don't know, but (laughs) whatever reason. And we have all these things that I want to, I want to be identified with that because she's cool. And if I look like that, then maybe I'd be cool. But I'll tell you how serious this gets. This is, don't, don't miss this. This has always been an issue way before Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and getting likes and all that other stuff. And I'm not even down on that stuff. People struggle in their life feeling they don't add up. Teens commit suicide over being rejected. There are ladies here today that struggle with depression over not feeling good enough. Dads that compare themselves to other dads. Guys, I'm not not just making this up and I know I'm joking with the pictures and things like that, but what I'm talking about right now is absolutely true. Who have you avoided not coming over your house because of the way that they'd look at you because your house was not as nice as their house? You wanted to drive in their car instead of your car because of the style or you're embarrassed of your clothes because you go to school. It's not as cool as the other kids. It's your identity. This is the generation that knows the phrase all too well. I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to figure out who I am. You guys, it's no doubt you're going to look up here and say, I, I can't deny the fact that he's preaching on that today, and I'm going to carry that theme through the whole year. Not, not every message, but the theme of it, of what we do. But I want to take you back to the roots of this issue of where this came from. So I'm going to ask you to go all the way to the beginning of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, 
and verse 26. And I'm going to show you the root of this issue of acceptance and belonging and identity. Here God is speaking and He said the desire of God, just so you guys understand, this is the desire of God. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Verse 27, and God said unto, created man in, in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Let's pray. Father, over the next few minutes, I'm going to clearly state to you that I need your help. Lord, I, I speak because I know that there are identity issues all through this church right now. Not knowing who we were created to be. Or people trying to fit, out, fit in and try to figure out where they fit in. Or trying to figure out why they stand out. Why they're not accepted. Why they're not as cool as other people. And somehow that identifies us. Pray, Lord, that you'll help us change those labels today. And help us to learn who we are in you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I want you to clear your mind right now of everything that you have going through your mind about life and you know, branding and everything else. And I want, I want to strip it down to the very, very beginning before there was department stores, before there was churches, before there was fads and celebrities, before there was red carpets and entertainment tonight, before they were telling us who you are or what's cool or what's in. See, God's design for you was in the image of God. And I know this sounds extremely basic, but I'm going to ask Pastor Dave and, uh, and Christian to come up on the stage with me. If you, if you don't mind helping me, Pastor Dave. Oh, and Christian. Do you have Christian? Sweet. We're both good looking. Christian, I appreciate, I appreciate you, but... If you guys don't know, this is the guy I was just making fun of, so be quiet. There you go. That's the picture. <laughs> and this is Christian. This is Pastor Dave's son and my nephew. And uh, do you get your good looks from your dad? No, that's good. That's a good answer. <laughs> so the Bible says in this passage, and let me explain this, and you guys just hang out there. It says, let us make man in our image. Image, the word there means a resemblance. We, we are not identical to God, but there was something when God said that I want to create somebody for myself and it was different than all of the other creation that God created. He, we were created to resemble our, our, our God. And then he said, in our likeness, or the model or the fashion after, not an exact replica. So Christian, I'm going to ask you, do you look exactly like your dad? But there's some things about you that you resemble your father. This is... This is scientific, this is how God created families to be and for us to be created. There are some things that I could tell Christian and say, I'll see him and say, you get that from your dad. Or you act like your dad. Or you laugh like your dad. Or, and those types of things. And just, we see that resemblance in that. If, if Christian was standing here, he wasn't there, and, and somebody knew him and says, man, you're, you're just like your dad in that way. Or when you turn that way, I, I, I could see your dad in that. Or seeing... Pastor Dave's pictures when he was younger, and we see his kids and say, wow, there's a resemblance there because of the way that God created us. People say things like, why do you do that? And says, oh, oh man, I, I never noticed I'd do that. I, I got that from my dad. See, 
looking at our parents, we can see a reflection of ourselves, whether you like it or not, okay? Who we are, what we do, what we're good at, how we laugh, your, your sense of humor, your crooked nose, all those things that we look at is the source of your identity that came from your dad. I'm going to tell you, there's an internal desire amongst all of us to know who we are. When someone is adopted, and I've never personally gone through this, I've just counseled and things with that, and they find out later that they're adopted or they grew up as an orphan, and they, they go on this quest of saying, I want to know who my parents are. And they'll, they, they have this of, I want to know who I am. It's like, well, you've got parents, and they love you, and they take care of you and stuff, and it's still in their mind. I, I, w- I want to meet that person that, that I look like or I act like, and, and then I've, I've been there. I've actually been there when people have united and come together and say, wow, I, I can't believe that. And then you, you look just like me or the way that you act or the things that you do. Do you realize that it's not just that I am in the image of God? It also means that in God, it's where I find my identity. I was created in the image, in the likeness of God. I find my identity in the image and the likeness of God. The same way that Christian finds his identity of dad. Who am I? What am I here for? What do I do? And Dave puts his arm around him to say, you're my son, I'll show you. The, the things that you do and what we're good at or what our history is and things like that, we find in God our place of belonging. And a lot of people right now are searching for the place of where they're belonging or their place in this world. There's a cool verse that I came across that kind of ties us in. In Psalm 139 verse 14, he says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I know this verse to us, we'll sit there and say to our kids or say to people and say, man, you are, I don't know how I feel about myself. And we'll say the words, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now I'm going to stop and ask you, what does that mean? So I'm fearfully made. I I mean, God was scared to make me. (laughs) You think about it, uh, what what does that mean? Fearfully and, and wonderfully made. That wonderfully made means, literally means there's a difference or separate or set apart for something. Now, so I got into that and I thought, wow, that, that word there in the Hebrew is only used seven times in the entire Bible. And I went back to all seven times to do the research of what that means. Here's, here's what it means. In another passage, when we read it in Psalm chapter 4, verse 3, it says, But know that the Lord has set apart, wonderfully made him that is godly for himself. Now, I know if you're like me, when I first read that, I'm like, I still don't get it. Christian, let me put it like this. I knew your dad before you ever came in the picture. I've known your dad a long time. And I can tell you, when, when we were having Logan and Christian and things, I can tell you what it was like to talk to your mom and dad about how much they wanted you. And I know that. How you weren't just an accident. They, they planned, they desired, they wanted you in their life. <laughs> you are not helping. <laughs> Why did I pick you as my illustration? <laughs> 
So here it is. You've you got to understand that he not only thinks you're great, but the way that God describes it is wonderfully made according to that Hebrew word. You were set apart. That your dad wanted you for him. And being in the family is where you belong and the fact that you are accepted and belonging right here. And the fact this, Christian, let me tell you, out here, you would not find the belonging being separated from your dad the way that you are fearfully and wonderfully made for this spot right here. Do you get that? Do you guys get that? Yeah. You, you were created. You were set apart. It, it wasn't the, the, the animals and the trees and the elephants and everything that else God created. God said, no, 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 no. They're going to be fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm, I'm making them for me. That's for me. Meaning that the Bible doesn't read where you see that God was walking in the cool of the day with the squirrels saying, what's up? We don't find where God was walking, talking to the trees and the other parts of creation. No, where you find God walking in the cool of the day and what God went looking for when they fell was Adam and Eve because he said, hey, I created you out there to be with me. Come with me. You belong here you are fearfully, wonderfully set apart for me. You know how when we read in the Bible that the Bible says that our God is a jealous God? Yeah. Meaning that when you love somebody and they're out flirting with somebody else, God says, no, you're not. You were created for me. This is where you belong. This is where I want you. This is where you're fulfilled. I, I, I created you. I love you more than anything you'll ever find in the world. That is where you belong. Fearfully and wonderfully made. You guys, you can get what I'm going with this is people are searching in this world of where I fit in and where I belong. And God says, right here, I'll tell you, I'll show you where you belong. That's where you belong. See, it's in God that we find our place of acceptance. It's also in God that I see my purpose and potential. See, the creator always knows the purpose of his creation. Always. You're sitting there going, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know what you do when you're left to yourself and you don't know what you're meant for? You end up in trouble. You end up trying to get into this and, and they say, you, you go home and you get in trouble with your parents and are, are out in the world and they say, what did you get into this time? We were just trying to find fun. We were just trying to fit in. I was just trying to explore what, what it was like to be in college. I was, we're looking, searching, wanting I know this is a silly illustration, but I'll tell you, everybody here would yell out and say that this is a hammer, okay? This, this is a hammer. Let's say we took that away and you didn't know what this was. And all of a sudden you came up and you were like, this makes no sense at all. Is this the handle? I, you know, what do you, what do you do with it? And I mean, that, that sounds... Crazy to anybody here because you're going to sit there and say, obviously, I, I know what that is. That's a hammer. But, but in the real sense, this is a very awkward, odd thing that does not make sense. If you were to take that odd thing and take it to somebody that didn't know what it was or what it was used for, I'll tell you, more than likely, they're going to do a lot of damage. They're going to tear up a lot of things. They're going to make a big mess. But if you were to go to the Creator... The creation was placed in the hands of the creator. And all of a sudden he says, man, let me, let me show you why this was made. You see this part right here? That's to drive nails, to create things. And I know this part right here I created. If you hold it right, it works right, and it won't vibrate your hand. And if you mess up this part right here that looks kind of funny, that's made to take the nails out 
And I've got a hammer at home that's got a cut out on the top that you put the nails in to hold them while you make your first strike and then it drives it in. And you know what you thought was weird all this time that didn't make sense? These little ridges on the front. That's so the nail doesn't slip off. And see how it's balanced just perfect? I did that. So that it'd have the proper swing to make sure that it did right. And see what you thought you were created to go on out and making a mess of your life and searching and wanting to be fulfilled. And you say, this makes no sense. God said, if you just bring it back to the creator and say, let me show you what you're for. And I know that right now a lot of you are saying that's just the dumb illustration of a hammer. Let me tell you, that's the illustration of the world today. The world is going out and they're sitting there going, I don't know what I'm for and I don't know why I'm made this way and maybe I'm not made this way and maybe I was made to be something else and chaos and confusion of what am I here for? What do I do? And I don't feel, con- I, 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 I do this and I do that and I don't feel fulfilled. And I'll tell you what, if I went around using this wrong, it's, it's going to feel unfulfilled because it wasn't created like that. You have to know what you were designed for to know to get the most out of your life. And I feel like when you look at the world, and so many people have so much potential. So much potential. And you wonder why the world is out there and the world has everything. They've got the money. Why is it do we hear more about celebrities that are making so many millions of dollars per episode and per show and per video? And they've got yachts. And they've got mansions and private jets, servants, and they're all this stuff around them. And yet still they get to the point saying, why am I not happy? Because they're doing things they were not created by their creator to do. And I tell you, you can go out in this world and you can search for everything. And you can think if I just had more popularity, if I was liked more, if I climbed the ladder of success... And maybe it's in drinking, maybe it's in all these things. I'll tell you, you're going to end up just like that hammer trying to do something in the way you weren't created to do. And be miserable. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. So why am I here? Adam and Eve didn't ask that. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I'm going to bless you with a family. I'm going to bless you with kids. And I'm going to give you purpose. And so do it. And have dominion over the fish and the sea and the fowl of the air and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed and upon the face of the earth and every tree in the which the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat. And verse 31, And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was good. God, you know what God did? The same thing as that creator saying, oh, let me show you, this is what you're for. This is what you do. God took Adam and Eve and said, hey guys, come here, let me show you what you're here for. Let me show you what you were created for. This is your purpose. This is your mission. See, please get, there was an identity crisis that we all faced. There is something that a lot of people that today are are lost, depressed, miserable, wanting to be accepted, feeling empty, and still searching. Because they've lost where they belong, and they've lost what they were created to do. Now, you guys know this story, but let me take you to the other part of this story. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, 
he shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Most people have heard this a hundred times, and I get that. You've heard this a hundred times, but let me show you this. Listen to what he says. He said, you shall be as gods. Wait a minute. The creator was the God. The creation was sitting there, and all of a sudden, Satan comes over there and says, hey, you don't need him. You can find everything you need in yourself. He calls himself God. You can be a God. You can be everything. He doesn't want you realizing that you can stand on your own two feet. You could be a God of yourself, meaning that you answer to yourself. You find satisfaction in yourself. You find, if you will, if we find in our creation, we find our image in God, you can find your image in yourself. You can, you can do that for yourself. You, you don't need Him. You see what Satan was trying to do, and all of a sudden, man fell into this, this trick, this lie. Of All of a sudden, we, we bought into it, and they ran from God. And I'm here to tell you, Christian, it's in the Creator, it's in the Father that we find purpose. We find belonging. We find what we were created to be. We, create, we, we find purpose in life. And now apart from God, and we say the words all the time, I'm lost. And all of a sudden, he's over here trying to figure out, what do I do? Why am I here? Why aren't I happy? Because everything that you need to answer all those questions is over here. You sit there and guys in the world that we live in people and maybe you even here today, they're sitting there searching. I can't figure out life. I don't know what's wrong. The fame and fancy cars and brand name clothes and all those things that we try to find identity in does not work. Those issues hit a pinnacle in our life where we have suicides and overdoses and depression and miserable people that just want to know why. I'm going to switch gears now. When you think of the life of Christ, we think of the redemption story of the cross, and I know that, which is totally true. I'm not going to deny that. But there is more to Christ's coming than just going to the cross. Do you know I know that? Because he lived for 33 years and he died in year 33. In the year 30... 30 years old, Jesus began his public ministry and he began to go on a mission to do something. I want to take our illustration of these guys right here and move to the New Testament. In Matthew 4.18, and you're saying, oh, now finally he's getting into discipleship. Let me show you. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Let me tell you guys, there's so much to learn here. Because here it is, we've got this guy, let's call him Peter. And uh, he wasn't popular. He, he wasn't famous. He, he didn't have a lot going for him. He was a fisherman. Now in those days, a lot of the Jewish children would be raised up to learn to be the scribes and to know the law and do all those things. And a lot of the ones that could not make it and learn it and reach that level of education that was more of the ones that struggled with that, they would take up a trade. They would be fishermen. They would be tent makers. They would be tax collectors. They would be some of those types of things. Isn't it interesting? That's what Jesus targeted. He went after the tent makers, the tax makers, and those people to become his disciples. 
They were hammers that didn't know what they were created to be or do. One day, God in the flesh came walking along. He saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus had come to fix what he had lost. He came to restore what Satan came to break. So let me get this. Here's one day, the Lord's coming along and he, he comes to that and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Let, let me explain something that's happening right now that you guys might not see. God is bringing back what he lost from the beginning. What you got to understand is Peter, James, and John, and Bartholomew, and those disciples, they weren't great people, and they didn't have it all figured out, and they had mistakes, and he knew that they were going to make mistakes. And let me tell you, they were people that were sinners, and people that probably had baggage, and people that could probably tell you stories about how much they messed up. And God still walked up to them and said, hey, I want you with me. Here's what you might not understand about discipleship. God calling you to follow him means that God desires you. God wants you. And thank God he didn't walk up to him and say, hey, you guys could do great things for me if you'd straighten up your act, start getting faithful to church, clean up that, cut your hair, change your clothes. No, that's not what God did. God said, hey, guys, I want you. I want you. Right? Exactly who you are and where you are. He said, what did they have to do? He just said, drop your net and follow me. But that's it? That's it. I'll teach you things. I'll show you. I'll, I'll get you to where you were created and what you're created to be. See, a lot of times we make this about God calling you into working for him. And God called you back into a relationship with him because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Literally meaning if you're out in the world and you're separated from God and you're looking for belonging, you're looking for a place, and that moment and that day He found it in Jesus Christ. It was a a replica of what happened. Here it is. God God says, I desire you. I want you. Please get today, no matter who you are or where you're at or what you've done, God wants you. He said, wait a minute. If you had any idea, He already has an idea. He created you. He already knows where you've been and what you've done. He's been there. He sees all. He knows all. He knows how bad you've messed up your life and where you've been and the things that make mistakes that you have made. God knows all that. And here's the crazy thing. He still wants you just the way you are. He said, I don't, I don't think God could use me. Well, that's the cool thing. After God does that, he desires him and he says that. He says, follow me. Literally meaning, come alongside of me. This is where you belong. Let me take you to places and show you things. Because God not only desires you, but God knows your potential. I'm not reading into this, but in Matthew 4.18, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. They were fishers. They were fishermen. That's what they were labeled. Hey, Peter, he's a fisherman. That's the label that was laid on him due to what he did. He found his identity in being a fisherman. How many of you have your identity labeled on what you've done or where you've been or what you've, where you've been in the past? I'm divorced. I've been to jail. I've messed up. I've had addictions. All those different things that people label you. 
And Jesus on that day says, you know what? You're not going to find your identity in the fact that you cast a net into the sea. You're going to find your identity in Christ being a disciple and a follower of him. You're going to discover who you were. And he said, oh, by the way, I'm going to call you to be a fisher of men. Literally meaning, I'm going to use you to change the world. What are you labeled by? What have you been called? What label did you have in high school of loser or idiot or jerk or dropout? God says, give me that label. Follow me. I'm going to change the world and I'm going to use you to do it. You were created by God. Fearfully and wonderfully made to be in fellowship with God. And you'll never find it anywhere else in this world. From the very beginning, that's the way it meant to be. When Jesus came on this earth, that's the way that he meant to restore it. He said, man, I don't know. I think you're almost reading into it. Well, let me flip you forward to, to, to Romans 8.29. And we'll close with this. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son. Let's go back. It was separated. It was lost. Satan came in and said, you could be your own person. Man goes looking and seeking drugs, alcohol, fame, popularity, whatever. And he gets depression and emptiness and loneliness. And I'm not good enough. And I don't add up. And I'm not accepted by anybody. And maybe I'd be better off dead. And then Jesus said, no way. I created you for me. Not for all that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Set apart for this relationship. So God sent his son, came across and tapped him on the shoulder and said, I know what you've been labeled, but I'm here to change all that. You find your identity in God and only God. And there's no substitute in this world. There's no satisfaction ever. There's nothing that you're ever going to feel alive or real ever outside of Jesus Christ. And so many of you have been lied to and labeled and it's time to throw off the labels and the lies and say, I'm following Jesus. Because we've been swindled by the devil to be called something we're not.